Anyone who listens to the show knows that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes into running an accommodations business. Whether it's a hotel or short-term rental property, preparing, maintaining, and communicating with guests and employees is the name of the game. That's where Breezeway's best-in-class property care and operations platform comes in. Their easy-to-use tools help you automate, coordinate, and communicate with guests and staff in a seamless way. Plus, Breezeway integrates with over 30 PMS and IoT devices, meaning you can easily harness data to enable your staff, make work more efficient, build better schedules, improve quality assurance, harness guest texting, provide comprehensive owner reporting, and so much more. If you're looking for an operations software platform that will make an immediate impact on your business, visit breezeway.io slash proven principles to learn more. You just do what you do you, you know? The wisdom of New York taxi drivers taught me many, many years ago that the only thing you can control in life is your front bumper. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. This is the fourth episode in our sales and marketing series. My guest today is Jay Schwartz. He's the executive director of Once Upon a Time, a full-service creative agency that specializes in branding, advertising, graphic design, and website development for prominent clients in the luxury hospitality space. The connection between branding and operations is not often discussed, but it's a link that is fundamental to the success of virtually any business. If you make the effort of defining a brand and creating a story that entices customers to spend money with you, but once on site that experience falls short of their expectations, Over time, you can do irreparable harm to the brand's identity. That's why I wanted to end our sales and marketing series with a discussion about branding and storytelling. This brings the four episodes full circle and demonstrates how every position is connected and everyone is working towards the same goal. That's how the best hotels in the world do it, and that's how you can be successful in your own property. Jay shares some incredible insight on what goes into creating a brand, how brand identity and consistency are connected, how to stand out from other properties in your comp set, and much more. So let's get to it. This is episode 79 of the Proven Principles podcast, Jay Schwartz on branding and storytelling and hospitality. Enjoy. Jay, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Before we dive too deep into uh, the topic today, um, why don't you give everybody uh, a quick rundown of who you are? What's what's your origin story? What are you up to today? <laughs> My origin story. Um uh, born a fine artist, uh, morphed into a trained graphic designer, opened an agency, uh, kind of specializing in hospitality back in 1999. That was called Idea Work Studios. Uh, worked uh, in hospitality uh, in Santa Barbara, where where we started, but then um, started migrating uh, east uh, with. Uh, an office in Las Vegas that I opened in the early 2000s, and then New York, uh, which I opened in 2010. And then we were acquired in 2019 by an agency called Once Upon a Time, who's based out of London. And my role is now executive creative director of Once Upon a Time, but um, I'm I'm focused on the hospitality sector, and mm-hmm. our hospitality work is all... Uh, centered uh, in New York. Okay. For those uh, that are listening right now that aren't intimately involved in what a creative agency in the hospitality space does, what what is a typical 
day project uh, client look like for you guys? Uh, if I could answer that question, I, I would be uh, in good shape. Um, the, <laughs> everything's different. Everything's different. Every challenge is different. Every engagement is different. So um, what I do in effect is, is create the story behind hotels and restaurants. Um, I won't, you know, I won't do interior design. I don't do architecture and I don't do operations, but there's that middle part between building a, a hotel and what the heck is this hotel, right? If it's not, if it's not a, a flagged or a big box, which I don't work on, if it's an independent hotel, if it's, I hate to use the word boutique, but we'll use the word boutique. Um, if it's something, a, a property that doesn't have, uh, th that needs a purpose to exist, I help tell that story and I bring the architecture, interior design, uh, bridge that gap between that and operations and when it's open and running. So um, naming, brand identity, uh, visual design, logos, what do the pens look like? How do they feel? What, you know, do we have notepads? Like what is in the room and um, all of the signage and all the various touch points that people hopefully notice a very, very little um, and, and really just kind of affects the over, their overall impression of the hotel. It's really interesting the way that you put it, that they, that you hope they notice it, but they don't notice it. It's, I guess it's one of those things where if it's done really well, it, it disappears somewhat, but it also, it adds so much to the overall experience that when it's not there, you definitely know it. Yeah. That's, that's my hope is that, you know, cause if something's wrong, if you like go down the wrong corridor, if the signage doesn't work or something like that, you're going to notice the fact that you're like, shoot, where's the sign? Um, but if the things that I like to do or, or the parts that I um, value and, and what, what I do is to be barely noticeable, but enhance the overall experience. So mm -hmm. thank you for my key card. Wow. That's a really nice key card packet, you know? So it's just like noticeable, but not, um, in your face, like here's a key card. And that's where I think the relationship between what you do in operations is not talked about enough because it's operations that brings what you do to life. It's, it's how you take the great key card to use that example and, and make sure that that piece doesn't fall flat, that they're like, oh, great. They spent so much money on these key cards or this, you know, key packet. Uh, but everything else about how it was all executed while I was there didn't meet up with, with the, with what I was expecting when what I was expecting is based off of the story that was told before I got there. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, I can tell the story, I can build a brand, but it's really up to the frontline team um, who's on the ground on a daily basis to execute on that. And some of the parts that I do put together are training documents and kind of the, the pull through. And then I have several babies that I continue to work with on an ongoing basis where I'll pop in and I'll secret shop and I'll, I'll look and see, you know, that I can't, I can't really secret shop, but I can, there are things that I can kind of police a little bit here and there on, you know, is this being executed to the original vision? Are we staying true to ownership's um, 
you know, compass point that we, that we all bought in on. And, and so, yeah, it's all very uh, integrated. I'm just curious how often <laughs> do you find that that's the case where you go in and they're like, yep, they're still nailing it. Very, very seldomly. I mean, you it's know, uh, it's, well, it's just, it's the nature of the beast, right? The, the hospitality is nothing if not a, a, a business of necessity. Um, and people don't think they always have the time to reach out and ask for that piece of whatever, or they don't think they have the budget or the luxury to request the upgrade to whatever. And so they just mm -hmm. do it themselves and, um, they don't have the same, you know, it's just necessity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that I, I, I always, I put it to like the, the good enough syndrome. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we have to convey a message in like, you know, a, a printed, a printed out of order sign from a word doc taped on the elevator conveys the message that we want to convey, but obviously it's not at the level that everybody would hope that it is. Yeah. And then you get into bad habits, right? So if we use restaurants as an example where the chef will, will decide to do a brunch just that wasn't planned initially. So the chef will do a brunch, but the menu doesn't, convert right for brunch so they just do that themselves and it doesn't look right and then the next menu or when they make an update to the dinner menu now they're building off the brunch menu and so it, it just forms these kind of bad habits that are bred from necessity um mm -hmm. where you'll come in six months later and you'll be like how did we get here yeah right right it's just and it's all the little things right that pile up yeah and i know that the things that that we're talking about aren't curing cancer or anything like that, but it does overall contribute to, you know, um, memories and, and what we're doing is creating memories and, and contributing to a guest experience. Yeah. I, I, I really want to kick off here by getting your take on the, is there a difference between a brand and branding or are those two terms interchangeable? Um, that's a good question. I think, I mean, when you think of a brand, um, that brand has sort of transcended branding at this point, right? The brand itself stands, let's use a brand that everybody loves and compares themselves to. And that's Nike, right? Mm -hmm. The Nike or Apple, those are now icons. Those are now, they have transcended um, branding. They don't really have to do any branding campaigns. They don't have to do any, uh, marketing to get their brand out there anymore. So, so those are now brands, um, in, in the hotel space. If you look at a Marriott as an example, or a four seasons as an example, or even to some degree, like an auberge or a six senses or things that are, uh, if I say to you addition and you're in the hotel business or you've, you know, you look like luxury travel, you know, where that sits in the linear in the hierarchy of, um, you know, brands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while that brand, it took branding to get that name to, to 
to fit within a, a category, um, that brand is now able to stand on its own and exist as a brand. Yeah. And, you know, and I think about it in, in a lot of cases, not in all, but most, uh, there's usually a large, um, portfolio of properties behind in, in the hotel space. There's a large portfolio of hotels behind that brand that, you know, they, they, you could go to many places around the world or around the country and, and they've just got this sort of saturation of, of their, their, uh, property. I don't even think it's not even properties. It's just like, there's sort of mind share within the consumers, um, in the places that they're at. I guess that's the whole idea of growing a hotel company. Right. Um, but there's a lot of examples of individual one-off hotels that are just like, it's the one place there's no other of them, but they still right. are able to capture that, that, uh, name recognition and that, that, that brand recognition. Right. And that's the, yeah, that's exactly. the space that's really interesting to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that that's, you know, that's where branding plays and with the brand you've already established uh, guest and we'll just use hotels and restaurants. We've already established guest expectations by saying the name Four Seasons, by saying the name JW Marriott, by saying Ritz Carlton or St. Regis. You've already sort of positioned, you know, I, I, you, you may have never stayed at a Ritz Carlton. Um, but when I say to you, Ritz Carlton, you know, where that, that sits and you know, kind of what to expect. Um, when I say, you know, just, I, I don't want to single anybody out, but when I, when I use that, that special or iconic local brand that people, you know, that sort of the cognizati know as the play, like your favorite bar or whatever, you have that vision in your mind of, of what mm -hmm. that is. So I think that that's an interesting space and that's the space that I like to play in. So when it comes to, you know, the state of, of hotel branding today, uh, ha has the pandemic changed anything or is, is it, are the principles of, of, you know, what made those properties successful still, do they still hold true today? Yeah. I, I, I think that when you look at a lifestyle brand, like, I don't know, I'm not going to name names. When, when you look at a lifestyle brand that let's say is hip and urban and young and has a dining scene and has some nightlife component to it, that's a brand. And that's, not going to change. The pandemic may have shuttered the nightclub for a few months, but as soon as those doors open, everybody's back. And so they, they, they still seek those, you know, I have a, there's a brand here in, in New York that we built that, um, recently opened. They, they lasted, they stayed closed for quite a long time throughout the pandemic. And, you know, the, the nightclubs back open and there's, it's like nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it, it, it was a, a pause and then you unpause and everybody's back. So it's just back. Yeah. Uh, it's just back. And I think that some of the things that the pandemic has affected brand wise is goes back to what we said in the very beginning about bad habits built out of necessity. Um, and then there's, you know, certainly some touch points and pull throughs that 
that have gone away and maybe they should go away mm-hmm. based on, on the pandemic and sort of its effects on. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you, where do you go to get inspiration for the, the type of the, the story that an owner wants to tell in their, their new, you know, air quote boutique hotel. Cause I think about restaurants, right. And there's, there's always these trends about, you know, different foods coming in and different flavors coming in and they just sort of ebb and flow. And, you know, where, where do you look for what's new and hip and what's going to catch on? Or do, do, do you tend to stay more kind of tried and true? I, I, I try to mix the two. I think I, I have to be appropriate to the, to the property. I have to be uh, I focus on loca- location or locale or hyper localism as much as possible. Um, there's a, there's a brand, a hotel that I, uh, branded several years ago and it, it was run by a, a family business in midtown Manhattan. They owned an Irish pub next door. Um, you know, I wanted it, they wanted it to be, be like super Irish. And I was said, I think we should be Irish. Not fully Irish, but kind of <laughs> you know, focus on the ish. And and so I got on a plane and I went to Dublin and I sought out the most relevant experiences that I could in whatever my three-day tour of Dublin to go get inspiration. And a lot of the inspiration I see is is from what's around. I'll do, you know, we'll do our data analyses and we have our strategists and planners who crunch numbers and look at all kinds of demographic stuff. And then really a lot of that is, is here to, um, it's funny how often that justifies the gut reactions on what something should be or or what direction we should take or who we should, who we should build this for. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that, you know, I love that example. Um, and it's really clever, actually. Uh, but everything we're talking about with with where hotels are at, um, that there's a, and and you mentioned it at the beginning too, when you kind of go through and do secret shops at different properties that you've you've opened, there's got to be this brand cohesiveness going on where again where where the properties are um, are delivering on what the expectation is. Um, are there, is there anywhere right now? And I, I know that from an operations perspective, obviously it's been talked about to no one. We're not going to talk about it here, but you know, the pandemic's done its job on the operation. Um, how do you measure? And I bring that up because operations, you know, they're the ones that execute it on day-to-day basis. How do you measure that brand cohesiveness that, that kind of pull through from, uh, from concept to what's being delivered on the ground? in an environment where staffing is just, is so difficult. It's so hard to, to, to do the daily basics, let alone some of this more kind of high level visionary stuff. I mean, some of it's not that high level and some of it's not that visionary, you know, I mean, a brand is how you answer the phone. A brand is how you address a guest. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're checking into a, call it a Mexican resort, uh, you know, in the Mexican Riviera or somewhere else, you know, you and your wife um, or your significant other, and somebody addresses you as Senor Adam, that puts you in the middle of a, that, that right, right there, that little nothing 
says, okay, they know me. Um, they've addressed me by name and it, it makes it a little bit informal. It's like Mr. Adam, right? So what, what, how does that affect your mindset? What effort did that take um, from a staff member? Very little. I mean, sure, they're trained to do this, but, but even with a staff shortage and hopefully an, a, a commensurate uh, occupancy level, um, it, it really took nothing. But it's something that you're going to remember if every single person that you pass in a corridor or in a restaurant or in a public space or in a valet or whatever says, buenos dias, Mr. Adam. Mm -hmm. Senor I'm Adam, so sorry. happy to hear you bring that up because that is the stuff that we talk about all the time. It's, it's trade. It's not just training because any, literally anybody can come up with a training program and put it out there and train your staff on it and talk about it one time a year. And have an expectation that everybody delivers on it and which is, you know, name usage and how you answer the phone and all like these, this is, this is, these are foundational elements of running a really great hotel. But the problem is, is that if you're only talking about it once a year, if you're not creating uh, an environment where you can reinforce those good habits, that's, we talk about it all the time where that, that's where the stuff falls flat. That's why you're not getting ahead because you're not prioritizing it. Right. And how, how much of an, how much of a training liability is it to train a front desk staff to present the key card with two hands? So it's facing you as they do in Japan with every business card. Um, how much of an impact does that make on your guest stay, assuming that everything else goes, you know, to that level. So, so it is really, you know, the line between branding and operation is, you know, I'm not going to go and train the staff. I'm not going to go and make sure that, that these guys are, you know, these people, men and women are doing what we've set out to do, but, but I'm going to help define that. I'm going to help uh, the general manager uh, decide that this is the right direction to take. And these are the things that are important in executing these brand pillars. Yeah. You know, we were in a position, I think the industry is probably still largely in this position where you won't take just anybody at your hotel, but if they'll buy a room, you'll take them at the same time. So there's the, you've got your target audience who you ideally are going after all the time with your messaging and they're your repeat guests and all that. But if it's a Tuesday night in February and you're running 15% and you need to sell rooms, a lot of places are going to try to buy their occupancy by dropping rate, bringing in not their target audience in a lot of cases. And that creates all kinds of potential issues on the operations side. It also sets, I think, the guest up for disappointment. You know, if you if you could stay at a Four Seasons, if you've never stayed at one and there's all of a sudden there's a killer deal that you can afford because they need the occupancy and you go and you stay uh, and it's, it, it, maybe you have an overinflated expectation of what that experience is going to be like because you've just built it up so much because it's such an aspirational brand for you. And then you stay there and you're like, huh, this is nice, but you know, my breakfast cost more than my room and I had to pay 70 bucks for parking. And, you know, I found the staff to be while they were 
attentive, maybe, maybe cold, uh, or, you know, maybe I don't like my last name being used in every interaction, but that's what they do. Cause that's the training. Like there's, there's all of these things that sort of pop up, right. When you're, when you're not talking to who your, uh, target audience probably is. Um, I guess my, my question around this is, is there, is there danger in that when you're, when you're oh, yeah. thinking about how to get a hotel's story developed and out there is target audience a big part of what you do it's a it's it's all of it i mean honestly it's like how how do you you can't you can't build a luxury property in the middle of an urban setting and build an expectation that this property is going to be not even luxury let's just call it lifestyle um and then be so hungry that you're, you're competing for rate with everybody, you know, the, the lower tier properties around you. And then you get somebody who, like you said, can't, is like, I'm not paying $70 for breakfast or, you know, for two. Um, so they bring a pizza into the lobby and sit there and with their significant other, and they're eating a pizza in your lobby. And like, you can't, you know, it's, it, that denigrates the brand that, that takes that down a notch. And I'm not, there's no, I'm not judging people who eat pizza in lobbies. I'm not, it's just not the, it, it's not the right guest for the property and the messaging that you're trying to put out there. So if I say to you, Hey, Adam, uh, come to this resort and all of a sudden, you know, it's just full of, of, uh, spring breakers or, you know, come, come and stay in this tranquil oasis getaway. And then you show up and it's just nothing but spring breakers. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be disappointed. Does that and they're going to be disappointed because there's somebody old guy like me who's like going, get off my lawn. <laughs> Does that erode brand integrity over time? I think there is a danger of that. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, if we're talking about this mid pandemic, reality that we're all in and, and trying to fight for that, you know, $110 Tuesday, Wednesday guest, uh, or room and, and fill heads and beds. I do think that there's a danger there that over time, and this goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning is like little things create these bad habits and, and, you know, you say, okay, well, I'm only getting 119. Why should I invest $2 million in this public space upgrade? Um, mm -hmm. in three years, why should I? And so the property starts to then define itself by, um, the level of expectation that you set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me think at the same time about cohesiveness between, um, between the story and operations and, you know, their ability to execute on the ground. And I, what I mean by that is, is yes, there's there's this revenue management heads and beds discussion, which is which is very important. And like, and I have fallen on both sides of this conversation many times in my career, where like, you know, you get you got to get people in the hotel, but you got to get the right people in the hotel, and sometimes those two things don't don't line up. Um, but there's also this this ability for operations to execute on the ground, and the hotel companies that I've worked with that do it the best are the ones that have a very 
clear understanding of of who they are and their purpose of being and what they're why you're going in there as an employee every day and doing the thing that you do. Uh, and the ones that don't do it the best are the ones that either haven't been able to articulate that very well or where there's disconnect between what the what the company is and what it's trying to be. And hopefully that maybe maybe that makes sense. Maybe maybe they're overshooting or punching above their weight. And so there's there's like this um it's just a disconnect. You're like why are we why are we doing all this for a for a, a maybe a limited service property? It doesn't it doesn't work, right? Um how do you who's an expert in this field try to marry those two things so that there there isn't such a disconnect between the story and operations who has to be involved in those conversations kind of from day one through to execution and how do you get people on the same page that's that's a daily struggle <laughs> to be you know you have you have um ownership who when i'm fortunate enough to deal directly with ownership you know a lot of the times our goals are shared the ownership has a vision and the ownership says you know here's what we need to do then you get into management and the management maybe doesn't care that we're going to open another outlet of this property in two years somewhere else. They care about their little corner of the world, which is makes sense. But, but ownership is like, okay, well, we have this big vision for, you know, we're going to have a hotel in New York. We're going to have one in DC. We're going to have one in Boston. We're going to have one in Chicago and Miami and LA and um, Ownership wants to see the big picture, and that's you know they they bring me in. Um, we get into kind of uh, um, interesting conversations with you know the, the the GM or the DOS or whoever on the single property level, and saying you know we need this. I'm like, well, but you can't have that because it's not on brand. Um, it, but we need this, but. So then, so then it becomes, you know, kind of this more psychology thing where you're going, okay, what is the, what is the pain point you're trying to solve with this and how can we solve that problem without denigrating the brand, without compromising what we're trying to build? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's really a daily struggle, honestly. And it's, it's, you try to future proof for it, but, but it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's really just... <clears throat> I guess it's important for you to stay on message for you. You're the one who's, who's, who has to lead those conversations, I suppose. And, and really help really focus everybody's ADD about it all. Right. And they're, and they're, you know, my wife's friend said that we should do this. And, you know, we, you know, my, my cousin, you know, wants to have this in the hotel and you really got to make sure that everybody's, uh, distilling all of those ideas down into something that, that makes sense and not just being everything to everybody. Yeah, look, Wednesday soft. So my my sister's boyfriend is a comedian, and he's going to bring a couple of his friends over to comedy night, right? It yeah. it doesn't work that way. This isn't a haha, you know, youthful brand. This is the Four Seasons. We're not doing that, or uh, you know, but, but there's a lot of things. You know, uh, there's a hotel here in uh, the Lower East Side, which is a very old traditional 
kind of a, a historic neighborhood and historically has Italian roots, historically has Jewish roots, historically has Polish roots. And ownership made a deal with the a restaurateur who wants to put in an Ethiopian restaurant. Like, no, you can't do that. You cannot put an Ethiopian restaurant in the middle of the Lower East Side. It's just not going to work. You're, we built the story about the heritage of the, of the place. It's across from the Tenement Museum. We, we built this story about, um, you know, quite, quite frankly, the, the Jewish and Italian and Polish immigrants who came to New York. And then you're going to put an Ethiopian restaurant in this place? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work. Right. Right. You can't do it. Yeah. It's not what people want in the it's area. It's not what people want. It's not what people want. It's a good deal. You're getting it for cheap or, or, you know, it's a good chef and you want to make them happy, but it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And so my job is to kind of do that and say that a lot of times is, um, we have to put something in that's going to benefit the brand. It's going to bring it up. It's going to enrich and enhance the guest experience and is going to check against all of these things that we all built at the vision that we had to begin with. Um, two questions come to mind with that comment, uh, or that example. Um, the first is, you know, we're, we're in a, an interesting place right now where in a lot of markets for a lot of years before the pandemic, it was pretty hard to fail as a hotel. You kind of, you almost had to work at failing. Uh, but today it's different. Travel is not the way it used to be, uh, you know, the, your, your guest segmentation is not what it used to be. Uh, travel patterns aren't what they used to be. So everybody's competing for a smaller pie, you know, their share of a smaller piece of the pie or smaller pie. Um, and standing out as an independent hotel in any market these days is exceedingly difficult. Um, how do you, as a, as an, from through the lens of an independent hotel or, or a one-off property that doesn't have the marketing budget and the name recognition of, of some brands that, that are out there. Maybe, maybe the five hotels around you are all branded hotels and maybe they also have really good loyalty programs, <laughs> which, which is another layer of, of competition that you just can't, you just can't get around. How do you approach that? If you were the GM or the owner of this, this independent hotel that's got, you know, a Marriott and a Hilton and a Hyatt and a Fairmont and a Four Seasons all within like stone's throw from their front door, what do they do today? You just do what you do you, you know, um, the wisdom of New York taxi drivers taught me many, many years ago that the only thing you can control in life is your front bumper. Um, you, you can't control their marketing budgets. You can't control their keywords. You're not going to outbid them on whatever. So be true to yourself, be program, do, do things that your guests and your aspirational and your actual guests, um, are interested in. Um, if you're, if you're, you know, wellness focused or whatever, that's something that, that you're not going to see a lot of whole lot of wellness focused stuff at uh, a big box because they need the space and their gyms are checkbox, right? Three treadmills facing a blank wall with a TV check. We have a gym. Mm -hmm. um, so then maybe your opportunity, you know, there's tons of opportunities and just doing 
what they're not doing and, and serving a market. Why, why are there five big boxes here? Um, well, and maybe it's because there's a lot of business travel or there's convention travel or there's, you know, why, why would there be five branded properties or soft branded properties here? And then go, okay, well, it's because we have a guest who's a traveler. Okay, well, let's appeal to a segment of that and not try to get everybody, but speak to a smaller um, segment, but speak louder in a way that, that even if they're staying over there, they want to use your gym or they want to take your yoga program or they want a smoothie at your health bar or they want, um, I'm just using wellness as, as one mm-hmm. example of something that, that somebody can do. Or if it's not wellness, if it's the other way around, if it's nightlife, maybe have like a great night nightclub or put some cool bar in or do, you know, use your rooftop space or utilize the, the, the things that you can utilize to do something that they can't do. Um, you're not going to get the same experience and I have nothing against hotel indigo, but you're not going to get the same experience at the rooftop at the indigo as you were going to get at a rooftop at a refinery 29. Yeah. Right. Um, I heard this and I I will get to my second question here in a second, but I heard this uh, term (laughs) over the holidays that, uh, kind of speaks to this here. The, The term was the riches are in the niches the niches, but it doesn't rhyme. So, you know, the, the idea that for so long in hotels, we we really tried to be all things to all people, uh, which was, you know, the invention of the beige hotel room, (laughs) you know, it's, it's appealing, but unoffensive to, to no one and everyone at the same time. Um, and there's always been this hesitation to really drill down to, to serve a particular group of people. And I, I don't know if the proliferation of these lifestyle brands at these big companies is, is maybe their version of this, but like, you know, there was a commercial for Marriott the other day I saw it on, on, on an airplane and they, you know, their, their tagline now is like 30 brands. Like it's talk about taking all the oxygen out of out of the room <laughs> with 30 brands. You've literally have like every price point from like $50 to a thousand dollars in, in like $2 increments <laughs> all the way up the chain <laughs> with 30 brands. Exactly. It's pretty hard to, to go after that. But at the same time, I wonder if that, that amount of, of branding and messaging just, just gets confusing out there. It starts to mean nothing. I mean, yes and no. I think, I think when you're looking at who's traveling and how people travel and the information available to people and the misinformation that's available to people when they're booking a stay, um, I think that, you know, the, the modern traveler, you're either, you know, in a business segment, you're going to let somebody else make the decision or it's going to be purely price-based. How, how much can I get for how, you know, my per diem. So I don't, so I maximize my budget, but I don't, but I don't have to go out of pocket. Um, or it's location. Um, but when you're talking about how people look and book today, I think it's different. I think that it's different. I think there's other options and especially in, in, you know, settings or or areas where, they're allowing, you know, the home share stuff. Um, I think that's, it, it's a bit of a, mm-hmm. it, it changes the dynamic a little bit. So you're saying, okay, well now, um, 
I want to, you know, everybody looks at three websites minimum before they, before they book anything. And they look at the, the properties website, they look at their favorite kind of curated list of whatever, and then they look at the OTA and they're looking for, they've made their decision on this property and they're just now going, okay, well, which one am I going to use to book? So, um, how, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself from, you know, the OTAs is you just sing your song. You just do what you got to do, do your, do your, stay true to your brand. And you're going to try not to appeal to everybody. I don't want to build a brand that appeals to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that, and, and, and this has been said a million times in a million different ways, but you know, it, in order to make art, you're going to offend people. Mm-hmm. Um, people, if people have like this amazingly positive reaction to, to a piece of art, or if they have an amazingly negative reaction to a piece of art, it's art. If everybody has no reaction to it, it's not really art. You're just like, yeah. oh, this is beige. This is a blank whatever in the middle. It's unoffensive. <laughs> I don't have any feeling about it. I, I love it. Okay, great. I hate it. Okay, great. Um, I feel nothing about it. Well, that's where you fail. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a really good point. Um, when it comes to the state of affairs today, this is the second question I had based off of your Lower East Side uh, example, and I would eventually get there, is how important is it to factor locals in to this conversation? When the pandemic kicked up, hotels have done a terrible job by and large of appealing to locals, with the exception of the very few that have great rooftop bars. Uh, and usually it's, it's sort of centered around a food and beverage, uh, venue, but really hotels never relied on the people that were, you know, the, in the five feet around them, uh, to, to fill their properties. The pandemic hits and all of a sudden nobody's traveling and, and all these hotels are, are low, are, are marketing to their, the people in their towns, uh, who they haven't spent time building relationships with. And so your example of the Lower East Side restaurant is kind of poignant because I think back to what happened, you know, two, two years ago now, um, and the traditional view of, of appealing to locals where the property is. And then you want to bring, you know, the, the restaurant example into an area that people probably won't go to. It's just, it's all sort of like in my, in my head here. Uh, is, is there an argument to be made that, that locals do play a big role in how you craft the story of a property? Um, Taking food and beverage or nightlife or lifestyle aside, taking that out of the equation, um, I don't think that your local guest is going should be you you know a primary factor to be honest right i have an apartment i like my apartment um i have a nice view i i don't need to go stay at the hotel down the block even though it's a beautiful hotel um Mm -hmm. i will go drink there i'll have a drink there i'll meet people there i'll put people up there when they want to be near me um or if I have guests and I don't want them to stay here, which is almost all the time, I'll put them up right there. And so we can yeah. be around the corner neighbors. Um, I'll stay there if 
a pipe breaks or, you know what I mean? It's like, like I want to be close to my staff, but it's more of a needs based and not really like, I'm not going to go staycation around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's more of a food and beverage discussion. Uh, yeah, it's this. I think it's all lifestyle F and B uh, amenity spaces. You know, if if they have a great gym, maybe I'll go there to work out. If they have a great restaurant, I'll go eat there, or I'll take people to breakfast, or I'll have a breakfast meeting. Or if they have a really nice bar, even if it's super expensive, we'll go have a drink or two before we go out or after we go out. Mm-hmm. Um, one last question for you before we wrap here. Uh, what is the one th- and I, I mean, I know these questions are always hard to answer and, but, but you know, it, there's, there's somebody out there right now who's listening to this, who has been trying to figure out where they take their property. Maybe, maybe they want to make some changes or maybe they've just bought a distressed hotel that they're trying to renovate and relaunch into something else. Is there uh, a practice, a methodology, um, a tip, a thing that they should keep in mind as they go through this journey um, to either reemerge as something different or compete in a different way? You know, it all. Uh, this is a very <laughs> that's a loaded know. question. Um, the the. It, call you. If you have a property, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I would say just call somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, and, and yeah, call me cause I'll help you figure that out. But you know, you bought the property, you have a loan, you need to invest something you need to, you know, hit the performa, which affects rev par, which affects ADR, which affects all of these other things you have, a staff you need to keep or change, you, you know, like, how do we, how do we even start that process? Um, you know, I, I, I get brought in on so many different times. Like like I can think of a, a, there was a, but it's, it's, it's important to have an objective. It's important to understand what the goal is, right? Is the goal to, is this a vanity project? Is this a, a, something that needs to make money or can we break it? Like, what is the goal? And so when you understand what the goal is, you can work backward from that. So I think the most important thing, if I was going to try to answer your question in a very uh, straightforward method is the most important thing is to have a goal in mind. And if, if it's okay, you know, I was involved in a, in a, a D flag of a courtyard that the new management company owner said that they, they wanted to raise ADR by, uh, 200 a night. So they were going to, you know, kind of gut it and, and change out all the FF and E and invest in the public spaces and invest in some, you know, they spent a bunch of money, but not a ton of money. And, um, and they got their rate. And because we crafted a story, we created a, 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 and we didn't break the bank and we met the performa and we exceeded expectations and we, exceeded revenue and we've done a lot of, you know, it's possible, but you have to have the goal. What is the goal? The goal is I want a place for me and my friends to hang out, or I want this to be a flagship for my namesake, or I want, um, a legacy for my kids, or I need to pay off my loan and I need to show the bank or the investors 
uh, an ROI of X. And so we need to, 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 you know, the business, the nuts and bolts of, of buying and operating and running a hotel. Um, so, so to have that goal in mind and then call somebody who knows what they're doing and don't try to do it yourself because it's never going to work. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, and on that note, Jay, if anybody wants to learn more about you, what's a good place for them to go? Uh, we're at, the agency's called Once Upon a Time. Um, so it's onceuponatime.agency is the website where the hospitality sector uh, will we'll happily chat. Sounds good. I'll link to everything in the show notes uh, down below. Uh, Jay, this was a, a fascinating conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. This was my episode with Jay Schwartz. You can learn more about Once Upon a Time at onceuponatime.agency. To hear past episodes or check out our other content, go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.